Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, March 28th. You know what we do on Mondays? We get James McCool in Mondays with McCool, James McCool, the co author with me of The Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 50, I'll try to bring it up right here. It's a 15 hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. If you're looking to get into MLB coming up, uh, you know, we got about two weeks before the MLB season. You want to freshen up on your DFS skills. Remember, this is game theory that applies to every sport. Uh, and if you're in the YouTube chat, I know we're starting a little late today to technical difficulties. Good morning. Suki Singh's always here in the morning, so it doesn't matter, right? Suki Singh, Brian Draper, Neil Jaworski, R.C. Bremen, Quinn Williams, Daniel Hutchings, Choke Choke Holdem, Mike Blaze. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, and good morning to you, James. Uh, don't, don't make me slappy. <laughs> that was crazy last night, man. Um, but there's uh, there some background there, and it seems like Kershaw deserved it, and I'm just surprised they didn't go down. That was pretty... Pretty good slap. Yeah, that was a pretty good smack there. Well, I mean, I wasn't even watching the Oscars, and I just I was just on Twitter, just you know, minding my own business, and I just see uh, what the hell just happened, and and the little videos. I'm like, oh, let me turn on the ad, especially in the, like Will Smith could get the award for best actor. It's like I don't even know any of these movies exist. I mean, I tuned into the Oscars, and I'm like, this is the first time I've heard of any of these movies at all. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. There was a movie about yeah. about. The Williams sisters. Okay, yeah, I kind of, I kind of remember that happening at some point. And then you have a whole bunch of other movies that it's like, I, West Side Story was apparently made a musical film at some point this past year that I didn't realize happened. And right, that's that's the reason no one watches the Oscars because you what you watch the Oscars and it's like, okay, I know Dune, right? I know Dune came, I didn't see it or anything. But then you just like all these other movies. It's like I. There was a Tammy Faye movie. They remade something like I've I have no idea. So it's like, like what's that now? Now I mean, if, if they wanted to get publicity for the Oscars, I uh, you know look at those last hour ratings for the for the for for the show must have just did, 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 woo. Let's see what's gonna happen. So uh, yeah. so I got to got to get in the the Will Smith and Chris Rock takes in the in the morning after. I don't know, man. I I haven't watched an award show in. A decade probably more than that i don't know i haven't watched one in my adult life for sure uh they're just like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense they're all like paid awards it's kind of like the fantasy sports writers association awards like you pay your way in what what, ha- what happens if, the, if there was an award show if there, if there was a slap fight if something slapped who would slap who at that at that if there was an actual like physical award show Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, like the the cheap answer here is draft sheet would slap siege. That's the cheap answer here, right? Yeah, but but I neither of them, that. neither of them would. They wouldn't even be up for awards. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I don't know who would slap who. Who who is uh, who's catty enough in the DFS industry to just go up and slap somebody on stage? Like who's who's that petty? Because. Uh... Big, big team would have no problem doing it like, at, no matter what, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Big T would probably, he'd be okay with doing that. Um, I'm, in my head, like for some reason, I feel like Derek Cardi like has like a little bit of a, of a fuse on that. Oh, no, 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 no. Roth. Roth. 
No, Roth would definitely slap someone. Now, Cardi would be the one getting slapped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would be Cardi up there, and then he would get slapped by either Kevin Roth or Big T. Who knows which one? But it would be one of them. Okay. That's my answer. That's your answer. So this last, this last week, uh, I, I've been having a good month. Yeah. yeah right? I saw that. So, Had another, so, or what, 35K? The total 48K on FanDuel. Wow. So I won first and fifth and a whole bunch of other places. So like looking at my rotor tracker, it's like coming out you of won a- first and some statements. Yeah, well, the fifth was 8,000. So I mean, the, the payout structure on FanDuel now- but these NBA contests aren't bad. They're doing 50, 30, 20, like, like, like 15th place is a thousand dollars. So like, I don't, I don't mind entering these contests. They're, they're better payout structures than DraftKings. So it's like, so I'll, I'll play, I'll, I'll 150 max that. So, I mean, I, I went from in this, in the course of like, in the course of, I think 22 days, I went from down 14,000 on the year to up 70,000. Right. So, I mean, this is, I mean, but this is, this is what you play for. I mean, like if you take a look at my, my entire, if I go for the entire lifetime. I mean, you see that my football season this past season was not very good. Right. You're just going to go through constant swings. Some are going to be little, some are going to be mm-hmm. big, but you see here, it's like, I'm, I'm getting out of the bad, the bad NFL season. Right. So it's like, I went all the way down and now I'm, I'm back up past the, the, the tip, the top point. There it is. We're at new highs, right? New, right? New all-time highs. It's just gonna go down. It's gonna go dead, 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 and then back up, right? We don't get a UFC card on on the, this weekend. I'm gonna WrestleMania anyway. I wouldn't be able to play. And then we got we got NBA. Got the last four day four day programming note. No show on Friday again. Not because of the dentist is because I'm I'm going to Dallas for WrestleMania. So I'll be there from the first to the fifth. Getting back on the sixth. And then the next show, the next pregame show after, you know, Thursday, this Thursday will be next Thursday. And that will be opening day for baseball. Yeah. So essentially, this is this is the last week of NBA for me. Right. And especially, I mean, now, now it's good. Now, now we're getting this. Now, before it was like, okay, it's silly. Now it's really silly. Now we're really getting the silly. Now, yeah. now, every, now everyone's on the injury report. Now everyone, no one knows who's playing. And we got today. Uh, the game that doesn't matter at all, the game that, that actually matters the most for last place are the two teams playing in the late game, right? OKC and, and, and Portland. And they're, they're injured. They're like, literally, everyone's on the injury. Everyone's questionable, right? So who knows who's going to play? It's probably not. I mean, you're not going to get the, the main players. Or who knows? And that's the late game today. So, But this is, it's going to be like this all week. It's going to be. If, if 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 it's two teams and one and neither of them have anything to play for, good luck figuring out what happens until 15 minutes before you see the starting line, because they'll have they'll list people because what they're going to do is that they'll list people available and then just not play them, right? Like so, like so, it's like oh SGA is available and then just not play, right? Just to leave enough people like active on the on on the, for for a like a legal game, and then you'll see a DNP CD or CD, just tanking, right? It's getting to the point of the season where the RG notifications, when it shows the injury, there is no injury. It's just tanking. That's it. Yeah. It just sucks. I, I, we're, we're to the point in the season where it's like only the really, truly dedicated NBA players at this point are, are playing. And, 
I personally cannot imagine playing NBA DFS when this is the early, I mean, we're showing like the early indications of the slate when you have bar none 15 players that are great values at 10, 16 AM central time. I'm not playing that slate. I couldn't even consider playing that slate because like, you're going to have to sit at your computer all night. No, but it's not all night, James. It's not all night. That's why I don't mind. We got, we got a nine game slate. What? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, three Three. games at seven, three games at seven 30, two at eight. And then the last one is the sole game at 10 o'clock. So like, how long do I have to sit only till eight? Because that OKC Portland game is the one that has massive amounts of. Yeah, but I don't need to do anything value. about that game. No, I don't need to do play. anything about that game until nine fifty or so. So eight o'clock comes around, and I, I could. I, I don't. I don't want to be by my computer for two hours. Well, I still think it sucks. It's a DFS show. What are you supposed to do? Not promote DFS? I'm playing. I'm playing tonight, right? And if I'm playing, if I'm playing, <laughs> no, that I'm means that, that like these like. No, I mean, all I'm saying is like these slates from a content creation perspective are just the worst. They're just the worst because you, I mean, when you look at the amount of value that happens on a slate like this, and this is why I don't like late season NBA is like, you look at a slate like this, by the time that lock happens, there's going to be no less than like 50 players that are viable points in any given. So put them all in your pool and build 150 lineups. Bink, there you go. What's that? There you go. That's what you do. No, but like, let me finish. Uh, it, it just comes down to variance at that point. It's just it like it is so so variant at that point. Whereas uh, when when it comes to NBA, like I don't like slates like that where there's just massive amounts of value because if there's like twelve dudes that are three K and all of them are projecting for twenty plus fantasy points or like twenty five or something like that. It's not like a it's not like a skill thing to pick any given one of them. And remember, I only play up to three lineups per night, Mr. Maxing out FanDuel over here. Uh, so for me, when I only have three lineups and like there's all of these guys who could very well do very, very well. And like the projections and the values are all super high. It just it's not a fulfilling thing. It, it feels terrible to build lineups like that. And it feels terrible to then go into the slate and say, I built a good lineup but it was one of like a thousand good lineups that you could have built. And like any of those lineups could do well, but you didn't build badly. It just, I, you know, I am big on like being, being able to tell that I built a better lineup than other people. And especially this late in the NBA season, it's just so hard to, to do that. Yeah. But there's so many ways to not build a good lineup. Like I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking from the other perspective in the large field contest. There's still going to be 20% of the field that are, you're like, well, why didn't they play half of these players? So if, 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 if yeah. I'm going to be able to knock out so many lineups in there, there, why not? The rake is paid for it. Let me just follow 150. Yeah, no, yellow, no, right. throw them. Which out of these five, seven, whatever, 10, four, $4,000 shooting guards, should you, I just mix them up and just whatever happens. And that's what, that's what I'm doing. Like, yeah, I understand from your perspective, yeah. if you're playing like a higher stakes, Contest and it's like wow between all this value like there's like 700 ways to build a lineup that projects for about the same yeah i could see that yeah. could be frustrating but then that to me that's not a bad thing when you when you're trying to compete against other when you average to bad players because they're more likely sure. to make yeah, mistakes. No, right. like the more choices that you have 
It's, it's a fundamental thing we talk about in the course, for crying out loud. The more decisions you have to make, the more that this, the, the skill gap occurs. So if there were less decisions, there's less ways for other people to make mistakes. Don't think in terms. I know, I know what you're saying from a frustration. That's the main reason I don't want to play NBA because of late swap and all and sitting by a computer and a million things yeah. happen at the lights. I understand from a frustration standpoint and an efficiency standpoint. But from an edge standpoint, like you want, you'd rather more decisions. You want, you want your opponents because if you think you're better than your opponents, more like instead of focusing on what mistake you could make, just thinking back of well, at least my opponents are making more of them. So don't focus on being yeah. being perfect yourself. Just like like, I, dude, I go through these the, the Fanduel contests or whatever. I go to the bottom. Uh, these these large fields and I struck go to the whole always give me the last place lines and I look I start looking through these lineups and I go and I'm going like to the bottom like 500 a thousand two thousand five thousand and even the person like it, the lineups that are in like four thousand from the bottom I'm looking and like how do you build a lineup like that I mean just like on a slate like this where there's like right. There's like four or five guys that like, if you don't have at least three of these, like you've screwed up. And I, I look at lineups that have like one of them or zero of them, just like, like just people just missing completely of like, okay, you built the lineup that was like 40 points lower projected meeting wise in my life. Like, like how do you expect to possibly win a slate where there's so much value? Lineups that are 50, 60 points projected lower because they didn't use the, the guy that with the salary adjusted plus minus of like 10 and eight and six on FanDuel, especially. It's like, well, that's why you came in 35,000th place. So that's the only reason I harp on. That's why I look at the, pay, especially with the payout structure being much flatter recently on FanDuel. Like I, you get more, in, it's a larger contest. So you get more bad lineups than on DraftKings where it's a $15 entry fee. And it's like a 20,000 entry contest rather than a $10 entry fee at a 35,000 entry contest. Just there, there's more bad lineups on, on fame. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally understand. And that's what, that's the same reason why you play like the slant and the $3 NFL season on DraftKings. It's like the, the field is so saturated with bad lineups that you'd have a bigger edge when you're playing those contests rather than playing something like the Millie maker or playing something like the 33 or something like that, where the people are a little bit better skilled a little bit tighter stuff like that so i, I totally understand um and i suppose i should uh refrain from saying that um like it's a bad thing it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just it increases the variance and from frustration standpoint absolutely it's just like you can build and and i think also so like i'm thinking from subscriber perspective so like it, it sucks when people ask me in the discord like oh well like was this lineup good and i'm like yeah i'd and they're like, well, what about this guy, this guy, this guy? I'm like, there are like 40 different people that you could play in that price range and it would have still been a good lineup. And it's just so hard to answer questions like that. Yeah, but that's what like, I had. That's exactly how I answered them. That's what well, I, I answered this. So they're all good and they're all fine. It doesn't feel like a good answer. I like being able to help people. And like, that's just, it doesn't feel helpful to just be like, oh, it was a good lineup. That is like, helpful. Lose because it's true. Be, be correct. Don't be, don't be, oh, you have to massage their ego or anything like that. I tell people, it's like, you could probably use lineup HQ and do everything that I do. And you could probably make 5,000 lineups that are good, right? You could probably just keep on going and make it, spend the entire day, assuming not, news doesn't change, 
right? And make 5,000 lineups that I'd look at and go, yep, totally valid large field lineup, probably plus EV. And it's like, well, uh, but I'm only playing 20. So pick any 20 of them. And be like, well, how is that helpful? It's like, I'm not trying to be helpful. I'm trying to be correct. I'm trying to tell you, like, that's the content, the amount of time that you're trying to spend trying to get your 20 perfect lineups. It's like, dude, there's 20 other lineups that are just as good as that also. Just try, don't play bad lineups, right? That, if anything, uh, what, what, I, what I suggest to people, instead of focusing on what is a good, I mean, obviously the characteristics of a good lineup is the balance of, of, of projection and ownership, right? We harp on that a million times. But don't think in terms of, is this lineup better than this lineup? Think in terms of, is this lineup reasonable, reasonably, you could reasonably consider to be plus EV, and is a lineup reasonably considered to be negative? Like, don't play bad lineups, right? You you could look at a lineup and objectively know that it's bad. I could build a lineup right now. I could X out a whole bunch of people, have a lineup that's projected for forty points below below optimal at at a, at a ownership level that it shouldn't be at, and go, no, this is a this is a bad lineup. You you know how many lineups you could build like that? More than you could build good lineups. I mean, if we just X'd out all the all the top projected players. You can build tons of them. So it's like, it's a matter of, well, do I play this guy or that guy or this guy or that guy? Don't think in terms of that. Just build lineups. I could build, I could build with the current projections right here. I could go, I could build 20 lineups, right? Like I'm just doing, I'm just doing, I'm, I'm going to even make it a diverse set, 59, five or above, right? And... Let me see what what are do we have projected ownership here? Okay, I'm just this is purely there's not there's no methodology behind this. I'm just guessing. So this is a lineup that's our optimal right now is 357 at 314 percent total ownership. Okay, so let's just say uh, I'm gonna go. Can I find a lineup at 250 percent ownership, or maybe even less than 240? Right, I don't know. I mean, you could run, you could run a ton of hundreds of lineups and see, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to use the build rules and just go 240 max. Okay. So we're comparing these lineups to a two, 357 median total. Okay. I'm building 20 lineups, right. That have a, 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 three unique players. So we get, it's not just the same lineup with one, one viewers. Okay. So here, okay. Lineups that are under 240 sacrifice about, 14 points in projection, it looks like. 13, 14 points in projection, which is doable for large field to some extent. Right. But we have a lot, a lot of decent value on this side. So let's let's move, let's move this up a little bit more. Is it worth dropping that that ma- ma- amount of projection for that ma- that amount of ownership? Maybe to some extent. Obviously, we're not grouping out players or anything. I mean, this is this is really bare basic. So let's say I go down to 260. Or 275, right? You want to do 275? Fine, well, we go down to 275 and let's see what shows up. Okay. I think that would be probably like 352 is my guess. Right, 350. Okay, okay. This is this, these are doable, right? They still look fair. They still look pretty chalky, right? You got a 17%, 816. For large field, this is these are chalkier lineups for large field, but still viable. But it was like, like if you wanted to play any of these twenty lineups, like go for it. I mean, I mean these these are all fine. 
I maybe mean, on the slate, maybe you don't play Butler and Adebayo together at their prices. I mean, there are some groups to kind of raise your raise your uh, ceiling a bit, right? Because at eight thousand each, you know, you'd rather one of them hit fifty and the other one doesn't hit fifty. But it's like if you just wanted to do that, like what I just did right now, and you just say, okay, what's the total ownership of the of the optimal and the based on the contest that you're in, how much how much ownership should I be should I try to get out of my lineup. Well, come up with a number and then run the lineups. And then there you go. And then pick, there you go. Pick, pick. I can only play three. We'll pick three. See what you got. Right. See what you got. And are, could some of these lineups be slightly better than other lineups? True. Yes, it could be. But your goal first off is to get the good lineups to begin with. And then if you're trying to decide between one good lineup and another good lineup, that's the secondary. Then, then you could be like, well, now you can be a little bit more picky, right? But for the most part, like doing even just this blunt method like this is still better than, I mean, it's more efficient. It takes less time than, than considering, you know, well, do I play this guy, or this guy? Can I play that guy and this guy together? It's like, if you just, if you just did, if you did this every day, you'd probably be profitable. And this is FanDuel, boy. I'm showing yeah, or at the FanDuel Like, I, I think that, and, and that kind of just shows one, one of the key aspects here. Like, I, I was talking a couple days in the Discord. Uh, it was like three or four days ago or something like that. There was no less than like 75 usable players on the slate, according to my model. Like, there, there was, there's just massive amounts of people you can build. And, and I had to go through and explain, like, okay, look, like, if you're going to play the slate, then understand that your lineup could look entirely different than somebody else's lineup, and both lineups were exactly, like, that. they have the same EV, they probably project very close, doesn't matter in terms of ownership, like, you're very, very likely going to have the same expected value as somebody else, and your lineup might not cash at all, and their might, lineup might take first place. Mm-hmm. But the key here is building a good lineup in the first place, and that's why we harp all the time, and one of the things that we talk about all the time is making sure that first you learn how to build good lineups because that's the, that's the basis of everything. And then after that, you can kind of sort through and you can take those good lineups that you've built. And then you need to learn how to sort through them to build the lineups that you actually want to build and have in the contests based on a, you know, multitude of different factors. And that I think Jordan is one of the things where your intuitive model comes into place. And it's something I've been talking a lot about in coaching sessions is, um, people I think don't trust their intuitive model enough. And this like kind of sounds weird coming from like super math based model builder guy over here. But like, I think that more people should probably try to trust their intuitive models a little bit more, at least with one lineup on a slate, just to see what it can do for them. Cause after you've built, you know, your set of good lineups or even like when you're building your lineups in the first place, if you've played so many slates of DFS, like Jordan, I'm sure that you yourself, when you're building out lineups, you can automatically just look at your set of lineup and intuitively, you know what lineups are going to be better than other ones, like for the contest that you're in, right? Right. Yeah, because you've played thousands and thousands of slates. And so like, you know, intuitively when you're building and when you look at a set of 150 lineups, it's why we always say when you, if you are going to MME, if you are going to build multiple lineups, you need to be going through your list and like looking and glancing at lineups and saying, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because you should be able to look through your lineups. It's not very likely that your first run 
of 150 lineups, it's going to be one, one that you enter. Because there's going to be some, like, weird things that are in there, right? Well, I mean, typically, typically like, James, oh, well, when you, mean, typically, James, when, you, when, you, when you're building that many lineups, the main ones to check are the ones at the top and the ones at the bottom. Like the ones that you, because yeah. of the, the way that distributions happen with, with the, with the knapsack problem solver, like, uh, like, like optimizers are, is that it's your exposures and everything may look fine, but your lineups may not look fine. First off, I want to scroll down just to check if there's any negative correlations or anything like that. Just like, yeah, well, should I really be playing Butler and Adebayo together or can, or is it, or maybe I don't mind. Should I be doing like, like stuff like that? So group out. But also a lot of times if you're building 150 is that the lineups at the top may be too chalky and the lineups at the bottom may be too low projected because the, the, it's trying to get you the 150 right. that fits all of these conditions. And it's going to be like, well, I want to jam as much projection into these. And then on the bottom, it's like, we got to get rid of as much ownership as possible. And then you get lineups at the top that look closer to your cash lineup and the lineups at the bottom that are like, wow, I'm fading literally all the chalk in this line. Right. So like your exposures look fine, but then like the last, the top 10 lineups in your build and the bottom 10 lineups of your build are either too chalky or too low projected. Now you want to weed those lineups out. You want to, you know, that, that's the main reason why I don't ju necessarily just build 150 is that I typically build 180, 200 or something. I build, you know, an extra 25% of lineups, extra, you know, I, you can build 300 if you want, even if you want to get down to 20, right? You could do it that extreme and it just takes more time, but I'm just trying to weed out all of that stuff. So I'm just left. And then if my exposures is just an, ex a, a, just a representation of my, diversification, just a rest representation of my risk preference. I don't care if I'm over, under, how much of, so I don't, I don't care that much unless I'm managing risk. So if I build 180 lineups and I get rid of 30 and it gets rid of 30 lineups that all have the same player in it, then so be it. Then what, I mean, sometimes I'll go through and, and go like, yeah, do I really want to have 37% of this guy? And I go, let me eliminate the lowest five projected lineups that have that player, in it, right? Because I'm still trimming from the bottom and trimming from the top. Too high owned, too low projected. And if I'm going to have a choice between once we get on the lines of those, like when it's cl closer to the edge, I may trim off the top 10 and the bottom 10 regardless. But then yeah. once we get to that, then it's like, okay, I need to trim 20. Then it's like, well, out of these bottom lineups, which ones do I want to get rid of? So I can't get rid of all of them but some of them. And then I may pick the Do I want so much of Alex Fokashevsky? No. So I would get rid of those. And it doesn't matter which ones I get rid of from an EV perspective, but from a risk tolerance perspective, it's like, well, maybe I don't want to have, you know, 90% Theo Maladon on this slit. Maybe I'll have 80, right? I mean, but all of those, all those discussions are, there's no right answer to that. It's just whatever. If you don't mind going all in on players, then, if they're plus EV lineups, go for it. But but that's the main. Typically, typically when you're checking your lineups, the middle I'm not as concerned about. So when 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 people are like like oh you're gonna check all 150 lineups, it's, that doesn't that take a long time? We go no. I'm just I I'm typically eyeballing the top and I'm eyeballing the bottom, right? I'm taking a look at projection numbers. I'm going up and going going yeah these these wow. Did the bottom lineup in my entire build projects for 38 points lower 
than my top lineup. And I and I I don't think that's viable on this slate. So I'm so I start going, okay, this the next one is 35. And I'm like, at what point should I be cutting this off? Right. And I start looking at ownership, 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 ownership. And then maybe I get to a point where I'm cutting it off at 24. And I got rid of 18 lineups that were under 24 points low for that given slate. And then I go to the top and I go, and now I'm looking at ownership. And like, is this lineup too owned? I look and I let do I have the right? And like, I don't know if this is this is this maybe a this maybe a dupe lineup for all I know. So I maybe I'm getting rid of the top, you know, six to eight lineups. And then from there, you get down to whatever set that, that you're getting down to. So, I mean, that, that, that's the main thing right. when you're checking lineups. Now, if you're only building 20 at a time, right? If you're only building for five lineups, three lineups, one lineup you're choosing from, yeah, then you can go through every, then I would suggest looking at literally every single lineup of like, yeah. I'm going to build 20 lineups for me to get the three that I'm playing and then look and go, well, which line? Okay, this does this make sense? Does this make sense? And then save the ones that make sense, and then choose out of those saved ones, or rebuild again and keep on saving lineups that look good, and then out of the ones that are like, oh, I saw, I, I built, I built tw- these all these sets of twenty. I saved a grand total of sixteen lineups, and I have to choose three out of these sixteen, and go, okay, then whatever three you want to choose. Yeah, and then after you get down to those sixteen, just like. <laughs> just just pick a couple that i like i i know some people who do uh when they're building out for 150 or when they build out for 100 um they'll build like 500 lineups and then they'll like they'll use a chopping method in the csv where they'll like randomly chop through different sections and then they'll look at those lineups that it randomly chopped out and then if they want to randomly chop out a different set then they will and they'll just do that over and over again until they have like a randomly generated set of their top 500 lineups that they built from the projections. And then that's what they use. And so if you don't really know how to play DFS all that well, then that sounds weird to you. You're like, Oh, well, why would you just take like this random set out of this group? And it's like, if all 500 lineups that this person built are plus EV, then it doesn't really matter what lineups they choose from that set. They're all plus EV lineups and being able to take from the top, middle and bottom, it's going to give you a nice distribution of high owned, high projected, low owned, low projected, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, where you can let variance just kind of take over for you a little bit. Um, but that that's something, you know, I, I understand that not most people are MME players, but it's still good to understand that even if you are only building one, three lineups, like, like myself, using the top three projected lineups is totally fine, but it's also totally fine to choose and look through and use your intuitive model to weed out and pick lineups that make sense for the slate and for the contest and for yourself, because that risk management uh, that, like maybe you're somebody who doesn't want to be overexposed. I know that um, Jeff Collins, like he in the NFL season, he will never use the same stack three times when he's building out and he always uses a different defense and he only builds, you know, for his, for the three max and stuff like that. Um, if he's going to build three lineups, he'll never have the same defense and he'll never have the same stack. And he's very likely to switch up the running backs as well. He wants it to be a very, very wide net, even in three lineups. Whereas somebody like me, I don't mind having a lot of the same one-offs. I don't mind having, uh, maybe two of the same stack. I don't mind having one running back in all three lineups, but that's because I accept a lot of risk and I don't mind taking on a lot of risk in my lineups. Um, and, and it's just, you know, it's, it's different, but when you're building out those lineups, the difference between me and Jeff, there's there's not as much of a difference in EV. It's just a difference in risk management and risk aversion. Right. I mean that. I mean that's that. 
each lineup could have its the same expected value. That like that people have to get out of this mindset that the number of lineups that you play affects how you play. Like from from a from a, a return on an ROI perspective. What you can control more are the swings you take in your regular play. So if you if you if you go all in, if you're saying I'm gonna pick five core players, like some people do that. I like I like picking a core core five and I build five lineups around those five, and I have those five in every one of my lineups. Like that's as long as they're plus EV lineups, it's perfectly fine. And then you have another person that's like, like you said, I'm never gonna play more more than 50% of any player on any slate. Like that's perfectly fine. Also, it's just that when the first player wins with their core five, like they're going to win everything, right? They're going to, because all their lineups are going to be very correlated to each other, which means if one lineup comes in 16th, another lineup probably comes very close, like comes in within, within 500 places of in a large field contest, all of your lineups will exist because you're sharing like five players, like on every single lineup that you have. Now, if you're much more diverse, your lineups, one could be in last place and one could be in first place. Like, like if you're if you're having a core of five, you're never gonna have one lineup in first and one lineup in last, right? Because there's only three other four of the spots in your lineup. So all those five players either did really well or really or some mix of that. So you can get all over the place. The only the, the difference is, is that at the end of a million trials, both players have the same amount of money. Right, because the expected value is still the same of each of each lineup set that you're using. The difference is is that the the journey to um, to million trial for the person that is going all in and locking in players and whatever is going to be like very high, very low, because you're either going to come in first or last. You're you're, you're going to be moving like this, so your swings are going to be much bigger. Someone that's more diverse isn't going to have the highest of highs that the concentrated lineup set has, but they still come out with the same amount of money at the end. It's just their swings are, are, are smaller. Me, as someone that plays for a living, I try to, there, there's a mix between maximizing your EV, maximizing the return and minimizing your risk. Now, a lot, a lot, of, a lot, of, a lot of professional players in the industry are much on the op- more opposite end of the spectrum than I am, right? They're much more on the, I want to try to make as much money. I don't mind taking on as much risk as I can to make as much money as I can. So they're playing every contest, maxing out. If they need to go 80% in on a 3% own player because they believe they have an edge, they're going to push their edge like there's no tomorrow. And they're going to and they're going to have a higher ROI than me, right? But they're also going to have $2 million swings, right? They're going to be, their swings are going to be way big, way, way big, right? Me, I don't mind sacrificing ROI for less for for the, the the mental stress and and like I'm I'm trying to maximize for seventy five thousand dollars fifty to seventy five thousand dollars a year, right? On average, playing DFS. So what is, what is what should my risk profile look like if that is my if, that, if my goal isn't to maximize my edge is to just like can I make seventy five k. Like obviously, then I want to. A lot of the stuff that I do is is more about diversification, more about about not going on seventy thousand dollar downswings, right? Keeping my downswings at a minimum, pushing my edges where I need to push them. I mean, I'm not. A, I'm 
I'm a nit in comparison to most top players, right? But I'm not a nit in comparison to most of the world, right? You take a look at some of my some of my screenshots or whatever when I play. It's like, dude, I'm tonight. I'm going to be playing fifteen hundred dollars in on Fanduel. I mean, it's like, like I could easily, you know, fifteen hundred turns into eight hundred easily on a, on a slate or anything like that. I'm I'm playing MMA for four or five grand a slate, right? Playing single entries and max because I believe I have an edge there, right? On soccer, I don't mind play. I can play four thousand on a slate in soccer, no problem. NFL, sometimes I have ten thousand in volume. I mean, like. Like I'm not a nit, but if I'm going to play ten thousand dollars in volume in NFL, it's going to be diversified. It's I'm not going to say I think I have a small edge here and I want to push ten k in on that small edge. It's like no, like I I'm, I'm I don't want to lose ten k on one given day because I don't want to have those types of swings. So there's still a way to play. Pl- you can play plus EV. You can play positive ROI. Just understand that. I'm not playing the Millie maker. You're not going to have million dollar wins, but at the end of the year, at the end of the 10 years, at the end of your career or whatever, I'll probably have an ROI similar to anyone else. That's even playing with a very risky strategy. It's just that I got to that ROI in a much, uh, stre- much less stressful method than, than most people. Right. Yep. And, and that, I, I think that's probably, if I was going to play professionally and, and play to like pay rent, um, that's probably the same way that I would go about things. I, I like going all in because I like pushing edges when I am playing mostly to test models and for fun. But if I was going to be playing to be like, if I don't play well, then I am not going to have food for my cats or I guess my baby, whichever one matters more at the time. Um, then I would certainly be playing with a, with a low, lower risk profile. And, and when I say that I probably would still be, you know, riskier than you, Jordan, I, I do like pushing my edges a little bit harder, but that comes a lot from the way that I model as well. Um, but I, I think that, you know, all, all of this conversation comes down to a lot of, um, putting together your goals and putting together what you want to achieve out of DFS. That's another thing that I I'm really preaching right now in the discord is as we come up into the MLB season really, really sit down and decide what you want out of the MLB season. Because if you're playing like without direction, it's very, very easy to end up, you know, losing money and being a negative ROI player and playing negative EV lineups because you're not playing towards any kind of goal. Jordan's goal is to make 50 to $75,000 per year. And so he plays in a way that lets him do that. Um, you need to do the same thing no matter what your bankroll is. If you want to play to make $1,000 at the end of the MLB season, then you need to set up a goal to do that and play towards that goal because it, it'll really help. And I promise that if you set out a goal for yourself for any given season or for a year, or even for a month, it's going to help you make decisions because you'll always be thinking, okay, well, am I playing the right way to achieve my goals in DFS? And not enough people are doing that. Or what you, what you could do is if you need to pay the rent, just grind those madnesses. <laughs> and I am. I, how, how would they go? How are the madnesses? I'm grinding madnesses really, really hard. There's a 10 year What's up? No, so so how is it going? I didn't I didn't hear you. There, what, what is it? Is it going? Is it? Are you playing every slate? Mm-hmm. I'm playing every slate. and I'm playing every double up, except for showdowns. I'm I haven't been playing. I tried to play the showdowns once, and I the showdown cash games, even in Madden Sims, are just like not. Nah, it's not the way of that. So it's so what? What have you? What have you learned in the I past think, week uh, of of playing Madden Sims? I mean, are you up? Are you down? I mean, what's going on? Come on, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm up. Um, I think uh, over the last week, I've made about a thousand um, because I've been like really, really pushing edges and like going into the head head lobbies. And, you know, we, we have talked about this before and going and finding people who I do not recognize. There's in the Madden Sims lobbies, there's uh, there's like five guys that are in every single contest. There's uh, like Dale Emil Fish, Heskey, Mo Bill's Hendy, fan. There's um, some like TK and a number not, guy. Not, not, Bill's fan. not not Bill's fan. He he has not actually been playing all that much. Really? Um, but there, there are there's like five guys in every single double up that uh, that I recognize. And if somebody posts like there's this one guy that's been posting like hundred two hundred dollar head to heads. And I don't recognize him in lobbies. I'm like, I'm just going to go after him. And the only reason why I'm not way up is because I took one of his 215s the other day and he had a ceiling game from Demarcus Robinson and beat me because I had Tyreek Hill. And I just tilted off the face of the planet. But um, outside of that, yeah, it's been, it's been really, really profitable. I need to, um, I need to break into the GPP, the main GPP for every single day. Because I think, uh, I mean, one, my projections are really, really good. And two, uh, I think that there's likely more upside since I can only get down at most, if I'm not picking head to heads, you only get down like $50 per slate. And I think that I have enough of an edge and the projections have enough of an edge that I really need to push into the GPP, which is, you know, 1K, 2K to first. But um, if, if things are going as well as I think that they are, then that's probably achievable, like, a couple times in the next like couple months. So I really need to push in the GPPs. There is, there's a 10K to first GPP that locks in 10 minutes, um, which is awesome. And if one of my subscribers does not take it down, I'll be exceptionally disappointed in myself and my, and my subscribers. Cause I, I do have projections up on the site. And uh, I even went to the extent Jordan of manually scraping, manually inputting all of the game locks for every single player over the last week. I manually pulled together all the game logs for every player in the Madison's lobby uh, so that I can build out a range of outcomes table and measure floors and ceilings, standard deviations, stuff like that. So well, you didn't do it manually. Um, you scraped I'm pretty, it. I'm pretty hard at that. No, no, I did not scrape it. And so I tried to scrape it. I, I mean, I physically went into the, into the lobbies and, and I pulled it in? all of the data. I copy and pasted it manually. Okay. Oh, you well, copied no, and, copy pasted. and pasted. So I like, 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 the, James, man, I thought manually mean you just like open up the app and like you just physically typed in all of the data. And I basically did because when you go in and you do that, like you have to go player by player and go into the game log, copy and paste their entire game log, paste it into a sheet, remove all the rows that are not fancy points, and put their fancy points over into another sheet. And I have a sheet of about 200 players at this point of uh of game logs so i would have scraped it i built a scraper for it but uh DraftKings does not like it when you scrape your, their stuff they go to exceptional lengths to make sure that you cannot scrape their game logs from their contests because when you go in typically the way that you scrape if you're just like doing what i call lazy scraping and using selenium and just like pulling together some uh some css selectors and some expats and stuff like that um, you'll go into the site and then you'll inspect it and then you'll pull whatever CSS selector or whatever. And then you'll, you'll pull that in using Selenium and then you'll put that into an Excel sheet. And, you know, there's, there's more to it than that, but, um, basically all you're doing is you're looking for a CSS selector. You're having the computer find that on the web page and then pull that, put it into a table and then print it to an Excel sheet. 
That's that's lazy scraping, right? So I tried that. And on the DraftKings contest page, when you click on a player, it has they they have dynamically changing CSS selectors for all of the players' names based on what point in the table you've scrolled down to, which is diabolical. I had never encountered that, that ever. And I still, like, I tried to, I was at it for like five hours trying to build a scrape and trying to get it to dynamically change with what I was looking at on the page. Nope, couldn't do it. So uh, there's very likely a way to tap into their API and find it, but like, I, I have just not wanted to go to the to the lengths of finding where that is in their API. So I, I have, I've manually pulled all of the information from these players and kept it updated every single day uh, so that I can have floor and ceiling projections for uh, for myself, obviously, because the, the way that so much amount of Sims is based on the averages that are coming up, but the averages are significantly different. This is one thing I've learned. The averages towards the end of the season are significantly different than the averages outside of season. So like there are players that have high averages, but uh, are not actually really usable outside of the season. So since the season has ended, somebody like George Kittle is significantly less valuable, even though his averages are still strong. It's just because like towards the end of the season, he was averaging somewhere like 16, 17, 18 fantasy points. And now he's averaging only between, you know, like eight and 12 with the high standard deviation because the, the way that the ratings have changed since the season ended has affected him significantly, especially because Trey Lance is there instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. So there's been a lot of kind of learning process. I find that uh, utilizing the utilizing the last 15 game sample is significantly stronger than utilizing the entire sample. Um and building out your, your floor and your ceilings and stuff like that is really important because if you don't do that and you don't look at standard deviations, you end up on wide receivers that have like this really, really wide range of outcomes. And that's a mistake that I see even like the good players making is they're, they're taking these super variant guys in the name of getting Lamar Jackson and Ezekiel Elliott on any given slate. And that's really, really low. It, it's increasing the variance too much for them for cash games. It's probably fine for GPPs, but it's not something they should be doing in cash games. And, and I think there's still... There's a lot to be learned about the way to play this correctly for a lot of people. I was just looking to see if we if we captured the historical projections for the for the players, and Matt, we don't. No, I was, I was just I didn't think so, but I said, "What? What? No. You never know." No. It's like we don't we don't even offer we don't even offer Madden. We offered a Madden Sims builder. If you want to upload uh, James's uh, uh, Madden Sims yeah. projections, you can do that in Lineup HQ. We have the slates available, but we don't actually make our own projections for it. So it's like, like it's going to be, everyone's going to be zero if, if you do it here. Uh, but at least we get, I mean, if you want, if you want to, you know, that's what I said. If you got James's CSV with all the projections, you plug it in, you could just press the optimize button and there you go. And where you could make your GPP lineups in your thousand dollar to first Madden yep. Sims contests. And, you know, we, we talked about it last week. This is not something that you should be grinding if you have a significant bankroll. There's well, Mil no Heskey is. Mil Heskey has a significant bankroll. He seems certain. to be grinding it. I don't know why he's grinding it. He does well, obviously. He does well, but like, I don't, I don't know why he's grinding it. There, well, I mean, like, if it's three clicks, it's James, remember, I was trying to get you to set up. He's up something for two or three clicks. 
I know. Right? And if he could give me two or three clicks and I, I can know. max out the entire lobby, why wouldn't I do it? It takes me no time. No. Oh, you're right. You're right. And it probably doesn't take him time either. Like, you don't have to worry about injuries. You don't have to worry about starters or not. I, realistically, there's usually like, I don't know, three, like three to four running backs, two to three tight ends, and five to seven wide receivers that you ever even have to make a choice on. And if somebody is averaging over fantasy points, then you just lock them in and it's, and, and you play every defense against the Texans and like, you'll be fine. And that's all you have to do. But the, the thing that I will say is uh, don't um, like, if you are doing that, understand that if you're wrong, even a little bit, this is not like cash games for NFL where like there are a lot of ways to, to get it right. It's only three games and the players are like 80% owned most of the time, like the good players. So you're, you're literally every single slate. The variance is on like some 4k wide receiver or some $4,200 tight end. And if you got the wrong one, you're just screwed. So there, there is like, I think there's a high skill gap here and uh, you just have to make sure that you're making the right decisions. And people can find those Madden Sims projections on your site, paydirtdfs.com. Yep, paydirtdfs.com. They are under the NFL tab right now. Um, and I mean, I'll obviously have projections up for the 5 p.m. slate too, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you want to go get a day pass, it's only five bucks. So you might as well go try it and, and see what's going on and enter the GPP and hopefully take something down so I can have a screenshot for it. And of course, always available, the theory of daily fantasy sports, how to think like a professional DFS player by myself and James, 15 hours audio masterclass. If you want to learn the, enti- the entire, the entire, maybe not the entire, but most the game theory of playing daily fantasy sports. It doesn't matter what sport it is. doesn't matter. NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, MMA, NASCAR, soccer, esports, concepts that apply to all. So go to theoryofdfs.com and pick that up. You can follow me as usual. At, uh, at Blender HD on Twitter. James is paydirt underscore DFS. Give me those thumbs up, thummy thumbs on your way out the door. Give me the thummy thumbs. Subscribe if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We'll be live later at uh, 4.45. Grinders live, 4.45, 4.45 Eastern time. Dean and the guys, they'll, they'll go through this nine-game uh, NBA slate. By the time they, it gets to 4.45, who knows? what has changed so far. And then by the time 4.45 to 6.20, where crunch time for premium members comes on, maybe more stuff will change. So tune into that. Subscribe to Roto Grinders. Click on that link in the description. You get $10 off your first month. And uh, and I will and I will see you tomorrow to review this um, cluster of an NBA slate and then go over more clusters of NBA slates on uh, and answer your DFS strategy questions, as I always do on the DFS free game show on rotogrinders.com.